The following lecture was delivered at the 17th Annual National Jewish Retreat in Palm Desert, California, a project of the Roar Jewish Learning Institute. We hope you enjoy it. We encourage you to visit jretreat.com for information on upcoming retreats. Mrs. Malka Abelev now presents her lecture, Seeing the Divine in Life. My name is Chloe, a.k.a. Malka, and I grew up in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, I grew up as what I like to call a matzo ball soup Jew. Um, it was a very warm feeling home with lots of matzo ball soup, but that was kind of the extent. We did, you know, die, die, new, and then brisket. Um, we did latkes, and I did have my bat mitzvah with my pink talis and my pink kippah when I was 13 years old. Um, and the best part about my bat mitzvah was that I got to graduate. In my head, when I finished my bat mitzvah, I was able to graduate Judaism. I still always believed in God, and I was very proud to be Jewish, but my relationship with God was kind of removed, you know? When my grandma was sick, it'd be like, you know, hey, Hashem, uh, could you help out? And, you know, if I needed a good grade on a test, I would look up for God's help, but it didn't affect my day-to-day -day interaction in my life. Then, um, at 13, we moved because of Hurricane Wilma. We moved to Nevada. And in Nevada, there are a lot of Mormon people, so I did not really have any more Jewish friends like I did in Boca Raton. Um, I didn't even realize how much I missed that until I went to college. So in 2014, I went to college at Arizona State University um, with Rabbi Shmuel and Hannah Tachtel. And I joined a sorority um, at Arizona State University. Of, um, the sorority was 150 girls. And of the 150 girls, five of those girls were Jewish. And one of them told me, hey, there's this event called Hookah in the Sukkah. Do you want to come? And I said, I know what a hookah is, but I don't really remember a sukkah. The sukkah is the thing with the links all around the outside house. And she said, yes. And I said, okay, I guess I'll go. And I walked into Chabad, and they were so welcoming. Um, the rabbi was a little bit strange, though, because he didn't shake my hand. And this is before COVID times. And the Rebbitson's hair was always perfect, and she looked amazing. But I was happy to be around Jews again, but I didn't really need it. So I, I had my Jewish friends there for the day. It was really nice to see Jews again, because throughout high school, I didn't. Um, and then I, w I did my Jewish thing. I'll see you by Rosh Hashanah. I'll see you next time. So that was in October. That was by Sukkot. My grandfather passed away. So I was raised by my mom and my grandparents. So a month after that Sukkot event, my grandfather passed away. Herschel Laban Svi Yehuda, may his neshama have an aliyah. So he passed away a month after that event. A whole year later, my grandmother calls me with Jewish guilt. And she says, Chloe, it's your grandfather's yard site. You have to go somewhere. You have to light a candle. You have to say Kaddish. You have to go. And I said, me? I don't, I don't know how to do this. Like, I haven't read Hebrew since I was my bat mitzvah. I don't, why can't somebody else do it? And she said, because he loved you the most. So obviously, the Jewish guilt got me. And I walked into my Chabad house. And the thing is, I had seen them the whole year on campus, and I would dodge them. So I'd see them tabling, excuse me, are you Jewish? Uh, shalom, I got to go. And I'd bike away from them. And the Rebbitzin would invite me every single week to her Parsha classes, to Shabbat dinners, to Pesach, all these different events. And I left her on red. She saw that I read it, but I didn't answer her. So now my grandma calls me that I have to go somewhere for my grandfather's yurtzeit, and I tell her, Mama, there's nowhere I can go except for there's that one Chabad house, but I can't go. I haven't been there for a whole year. And she tells me, it's Chabad? Don't worry, but be careful. Now, now I understand what she was talking about. 
So I come to Chabad, almost like apprehensive that they're going to judge me for not coming for the whole year. And I walk in and Rabbi Shmuel goes, Chloe, it's so good to see you. You're a psychology major, right? Oh, I remember. Come, come in. And he was so welcoming to the point that I was like, relax. I'm, I'm not like becoming a congregant. I'm just here for, to say Kaddish. And he's like, oh, yes. So your grandfather passed away. Come in and you can share by the meal about what you learned from your grandfather and how he's so inspiring to you and what you're going to carry on for him. So I stayed for the meal, and then they convinced me to stay after for for bringing. And at that for bringing, we spoke about the afterlife and what happens to an ashama, where my grandpa is now. And I guess my grandma was right. <laughs> what they said uh, made a lot of sense, and they kind of started to get me. So I started coming more and more for Parsha classes, for learning, and I took Sinai Scholars. So I took that as a student here at ASU, and it was the first time my neshama was really thirsty. I hadn't thought about God since I was 13, and there's no decision that you make in your life as a 13-year-old that stands true today. And now I'm 19 years old, and I'm learning about God again from a more adult perspective, and my mind was just blown. I couldn't stop asking enough questions. I kept Rabbi there until like 11 o'clock at night. He's like, listen, I have kids. I gotta go, but we'll continue for bringing. And so I started coming to their classes, which led to more and more and more and more questions, which eventually my rabbits said, listen, you know, you keep saying you're never going to be orthodox. You'll do some mitzvahs here and there, but I'm never going to be crazy, right? My husband's never going to have a beard, and I'm not going to have a Chaya Mushka and a Levi Yitzhak and a Devorah Basha, right? It's never going to happen. Um, and she said, listen, you don't have to be religious. But the same way you can't say you're a Democrat or Republican without knowing what the other side is, you have to know what the Torah means to say that you don't want to be it. Okay, so off I went to seminary in Yerushalayim for the summer, and it was the first time that I was really getting true, satisfying answers to my questions and learn how to be in a relationship with Hashem, not religious. Um, I didn't ask this rabbi's permission, so I'm not going to say the name, but when I was in, I'm sure he would have said yes, but when I was in seminary, after a week of the program, I was wearing my, my birthright t-shirt and my shorts, and I said, you know, I think it's time I should probably like buy a skirt. So I went to the shuk, and I bought a skirt, and I was waiting to walk in and hear him say, wow, I'm so proud of you, look at you doing a mitzvah, and he said, oh, I'm sorry, you know that we're coming up on Shavuos, right? Not Purim. I said, what? What do you mean? He said, well, you're dressed as a religious Jew. I said, no, 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 I'm just being respectful. He said, respectful of what? He said, I said, well, respectful of you because you're religious. He said, I'm religious? I'm religious? Now, this rabbi has a strimal and payas and looks very religious. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Am I saying it wrong? You're, you're Hasidish? You're Chabad? You're Orthodox? Am I saying it wrong? He said, no, I'm, I'm none of those things. Okay. I am in a dedicated relationship and marriage with God. And so when God tells me to keep Shabbat, I'm not doing it because I'm a religious Jew. I'm doing it because it's a date night with Hashem. It's a 25-hour date night. And when God says, eat kosher, I'm not doing it because I have to eat kosher. I'm doing it because if my wife said she was craving pizza, that's where we're going. And so that's when I started realizing, you're right, I wasn't religious. I wanted to be in a relationship with Hashem. And so I was in seminary on a high living Torah, drinking it in, calling my mom. Mom, I'm not coming back for senior year. She's freaking out. Uh, my, my rabbi obviously calmed me down and said, yes, you're absolutely going back. And I was very, very blown away by everything. And I came back and I said, okay, that's it. I'm going to go back to college. It's going to be different. No more sorority parties. Um, no more anything else that's, that's not Torah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to grow a beard, wear to fill in, go to the mikvah. I'm all ready to do it. And what happens is that we have a Yetzirah. So I came back to campus and my big Jew high obviously 
flopped a little bit. And where I was wearing tights and a skirt on my 115 degree campus soon started to fade away. And the only kosher option on my campus at that time was Hannes Tupperware from Shabbos Leftovers. And so that became a little less convenient. And Shabbos, I was the only other Jew keeping Shabbos at that time besides my husband. So we'll get there in a second. Um, anyway, I was really struggling and I'm a senior. So at this point, I have to decide. My plan was to go back to seminary as soon as I graduated. But also, my whole family is not so supportive at this time. Thank God now we are more than okay and everything is great. But at that time, they were very freaked out and I was supposed to go get my PhD in psychology. I got my master's, so don't worry. But I was supposed to get my PhD in psychology and how could I possibly go to seminary? Along with that Yitzhahara Yitzhahar pull of it's the best thing in the world, but it's so hard to do. I remember when I left seminary saying to myself that this Torah is so unbelievably true and I do believe it, but I don't know how to get there. I remember looking at my Rebbitzin and feeling like she was a bodybuilder and I'm over here who could barely do a push-up. I wanted it, but I just didn't know how to get there. So I was back and forth, struggling. I would stay for Shabbos, so inspired, and I would dread Havdalah because when Havdalah would, would happen, it was like Malka left and Chloe came back. And it was this constant battle of like doing the right thing and doing what I wanted. Purpose versus pleasure. And so now it's October of my senior year and I'm supposed to be applying for colleges and really getting my resume going. And um, I am just struggling to make the right decision. So my rabbi encouraged me, encouraged me to go on Pegisha, which is a student Shabbaton in Crown Heights for all the different college campuses to go to Pegisha. So I go on the Shabbaton, and on the, on the last day, we go to the Ohel, which is the Rebbe's resting place. And so I didn't really understand the connection to the Rebbe yet. And so I, I figured, listen, he's a big holy man. I'll ask, I'll ask him for clarity. So I wrote down four questions for the Rebbe at the Ohel that day in October. My first one is, what is our connection? As a student, I didn't understand what it meant. You know, the Rebbe gave us incredible teachings and incredible chassidists, but now what? How do, I, how do I connect to you? Do I connect to you? What does that mean? That was question number one. Question number two was, should I do this? <laughs> should I go to seminary and change my whole life and take on more mitzvahs and try to be a bodybuilder and go contrary to the way I grew up? Should I lech lecha like Avraham and really tap into this? Number three was, of course, I'm a girl, so I was already worried about my other half. And I was telling myself, you know, I'm never going to be full-blown Chabad, but I'm also never going to be back to how I was before. So I want somebody who will be growth-oriented. My husband is now with me on Shlachas at Arizona State University. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, I'm never going to be full-blown, you know, all the way. So I want to find someone who's going to grow with me, but not be crazy. And number four was, you know, I hear the rabbi makes all these miracles. My sister... Um, has only had one child, and she wants to have another one. Can you please bless us with another child? And if I can put in an order for a girl, she has a boy already, so I'd like to order a girl. Thank you so much. That's my rabbi, by the way. <laughs> um, so I go on the Shabbaton, I ask my questions, and that's October. Nothing. There's no answers. There's no clarity. And now it is January. And my rabbi could see that I'm struggling to make the decision if I should go to seminary, if I should really do this and change my life. And at this point, I'm also supposed to be applying to colleges. So I'm like half applying. I'm sending in some letters of recommendation, but not all of them because I'm worried if I get in that I don't have a choice. I have to go. So I'm not fully applying to graduate school, but I'm also not committing to go to seminary. And I'm really lost about what to do. My rabbi encourages me to go on this taste of seminary Shabbaton where the different seminaries got together and they would share um, kind of what it's like to be in seminary for that weekend. And again, I go and I see the truth and I know it's so real. And I know how important it is. And yet, as soon as Havdalah would come, Chloe comes back and I just don't know how to put it into practice. And again, I'm davening and asking Hashem to please give me clarity to be able to start doing those push-ups and start making changes. 
but Havdalah comes, I go back to school, and again, the struggle continues. Now it is April. My rabbi had told me before I went on that Shabbaton in January that he had a present for me, that he actually got this present back in October, but he wanted to give it to me before I went on that Shabbaton. And for some reason, it wasn't able to happen. My rabbi would forget. I didn't want to ask my rabbi, you know, rabbi, do you have a present for me? And so from January to April, this present he had for me didn't end up happening. Now it's April. I'm literally graduating in a month. I did not get into grad school because I didn't fully put my heart in it. But I also have not committed to fully going crazy, as I had said, and really committing to going into seminary. It's April. I haven't decided. I don't have this present yet from rabbi. And my friend calls me from seminary. That summer, in, in my junior year, she stayed for the full year. And she was hoping I was coming back and we could be roommates. So she calls me and she says, hey, I hear you're supposed to be coming as soon as you graduate. Please, come be my roommate. Have you applied? Because I asked them to be, to be roommates with you and no one's heard from you. I said, Ruth, I know you're right, but I'm just scared. I'm scared to make the next step. I'm afraid to grow. I'm comfortable. I'm where I'm at and it's hard to make new changes in my relationship and I don't know how to get there and I'm just afraid. And she said, you know what? I hear you, but you still need to apply because you know, it's starting soon and you don't have to end up showing up, but please apply. So I said, okay. I opened the link and I'm typing up all of the essays that they had asked me about why I want to come to their seminary. And I'm writing the answers and I'm like, you know what, Hashem, when I see it on paper, when my Sahara is at the side and I'm focusing on what I actually want, why I want to go to seminary, what do I hope to gain? I see it clear on paper. This is what I want. When all of us are really thinking in our most truest self minds, we know that everything we're learning at this retreat is true. And then that voice comes in and says, well, that's a lot though. Can you do that? You're, what you're doing is good, right? But when I saw it on paper, I couldn't lie to myself. I saw how exactly what I needed to be doing was on paper. So I looked up at Hashem and I said, okay, okay. I didn't get my sign that I asked for back in October when I went to visit the Rebbe asking if I should have clarity. But you know what, Hashem, sign or not, if I should go to seminary, I'm going to go. But please, I'm asking you now for my clear sign from you that this is what I should be doing. So I apply, I click submit, and I go to my Chabad house. I walk in the doors to now help teach Sinai scholars or to be the, the coordinator of Sinai scholars with Rabbi. And I walk in and he says, Malka, I have your present. I remembered it today. Please come in my office. So I come in my office, and Rabbi Shmuel pulled out a dollar from the Rebbe. So Rabbi did not know that I had just applied from seminary an hour earlier. And he tells me, do you know what this is? I didn't entirely know, but I knew it was significant. And he explained to me that when two Jews meet, the Rebbe would say that something good should result from, for a third. And people would wait in line for hours to, get, have, to have a moment with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe would give them this dollar to give to someone else. And when you give that dollar to tzedakah, it manifests more brachas. Because when you give, God gives back. And other people are affected by you, and God can't help but give to those who are giving. So the rabbi told me, my rabbi told me that the rabbi would often give a bracha to people. Sometimes it was specific if they asked a question, but sometimes it was the same bracha, which would be that you should have blessing and success. Bracha v'hetzlacha. So to me, in that very moment, I had gotten my answer. That the rabbi was telling me that I should have blessing and success. So let's look at those four questions. The first one was, what is my connection to the rabbi? Well, this dollar was given in 1984 which is actually not the time the Rebbe was giving out a lot of dollars at that time. And I feel that whatever it saw, that this is the Torah teaches us, that whatever it saw that touches becomes inherently holy. So the Rebbe knew that this dollar, when he gave it to this woman, which I'll explain in a minute, that was meant to go to my rabbi, who was meant to go to me, it was always intended to go to me. So I feel that the Rebbe had personally given me that dollar as my sign to question number two, that yes, you should go to seminary. My husband ended up getting another dollar from that same 
interaction, which I'll explain in a minute. My husband got another dollar, so that was my question of, should I have um, a shida, who's crazy or not? My husband got that other dollar. And number four, um, my sister had a baby girl named Chava Miriam Hadley, um, nine months after Pagisha. So let's back up a little bit. How did this all come to be? I ended up taking that as a very clear sign in my life. I could have looked at it in a different way. You know, oh, the rabbi, Pagisha is a Shabbaton that college students go on. Um, it's like a weekend in Crown Heights with like all these incredible speakers. It's like a mini version of, of this event for college students in Crown Heights. And on the last day we go to the OL. Thank you for asking. Any other questions as I go, please feel free to ask. Um, so how did I get that dollar? I go to seminary. And, but before I went, my rabbi asked me, can you write up this story? It's so incredible how you, you see how it's so clearly divinely orchestrated. You see how Hashem is telling you that this is your answer. You could have looked at it as, okay, it happened to me. Rabbi gave me a gift. Okay, the rabbi gave this dollar. But you chose to open your eyes and truly see it. Can you write this down so I can give it to this woman who had given me the dollar and explain to her how her dollar sharing had affected your life? So I wrote it down as a thank you, and I thought nothing of it. I go to seminary, and the dorm mother of my seminary, her name was um, Mrs. Gonsberg. She was the dorm mother for 40 years. Her, uh, she passed away the um, third month of my program. So her neshama should have an aliyah. So we all go to um, her shiva, and we go, and we go back to class. I'm sitting in class, and my principal grabs me, and she says, Malka, the person who gave you your dollar, she's here at the shiva. And I say to her, how, how do you know? I don't know who she is. She says, come. So I go back to the shiva and I walk in and she says, are you Malka? So you my miracle? And we hug. And I asked her, please tell me how my rabbi got these dollars. Can you explain to me how I was able to get this personal physical connection from the, from the rabbi through you? She tells me that basically her name is Hensha Gonsberg. She married into Mrs. Gonsberg's family. So she is also a Balchiva, someone who did not grow up observant and became more observant. She, she grew up in her life and had a family that was not yet observant. And then she remarried after she became a Balchiva. And she married into this Gonsberg family. So she has a bunch of children and grandchildren who are not yet fully observant. And so she did not know it was Pagisha that day, and she went to the Ohel. And while she was at the Rebbe's Ohel, she sees all these college students, and she runs into the Ohel to, to Davin. And when she leaves, um, she can't believe her eyes, because obviously, what is she davening for? That her children should come closer to Torah, closer to Hashem, and be in a relationship, as we discussed, with Hashem. So she walks out, and what does she see? She sees her grandson wrapped in tefillin at the Ohel. She did not know that her grandson was going to be there. Her grandson went to my college, and my husband and I were going on the Shabbaton. We were not married yet. And we had convinced her, him that you have to come. There'll be kosher food, Jewish girls, some inspiration. you got to come. So we convinced him to come. He'd only be coming to Chabad for a couple of months. And he came on the Shabbaton. And what did she see after she asked the Rebbe for blessings for her family? Is her son wrapped in tefillin. She says, who is your shliach? Obviously, he has an amazing way of channeling the rabbi's blessings. And so she goes up to Rabbi Shmuel and she says, listen, I lived on President Street. I have dollars because I was living next to where the rabbi lived. Here, I carry them with me. And when someone needs a physical connection, a closer connection, who didn't get to see the rabbi, please give this to them and help them be able to have that connection. So my rabbi got that present, that dollar, from this woman in October. Where was I? I was on Pagisha, about to go into the Ohel to ask my four questions. What is my connection to the Rebbe? Should I be closer to Hashem? Where is my Shidduch? And I need a child for my sister. At that very moment, I was asking for my answer. And when the Rebbe gave this dollar to this woman who gave it to my rabbi, it was when I had asked, but I didn't receive it yet. It was only when I made that channel. For months and months, from all the way October till April, I was not able to get this dollar. But come April, 
when I made that channel and I applied to seminary, I made space for God's revelation in my life. I always imagine it in my head, like when the Jewish people were at the sea. In front of me was a whole life I didn't know and I was not familiar with. On the sides was my family and friends thinking I was losing it and being brainwashed. And behind me was all of my past, a totally different life. And just like in the Torah, when Nachshan ben Aminana walked into the sea, he walked in up until his nose. He trusted Hashem. And even though it didn't make sense, it looked like there was so much in front of him and behind him, when he walked in up into his nose, that's when the sea split. And same thing with me. When I applied to seminary and I said, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to allow you to guide me and I'm going to put my faith in you is when my sea split and when I got my present, my dollar that was waiting for me since October. It was only when I made that commitment to make that change did this happen. So when I shared this story, a lot of times I get people who ask me, that's a beautiful story. And if I had such a clear sign in my life, if I could see Hashkacha Pratis, God's hand, in, in my life like that so clearly, I would also be able to make changes. We are now in Parshas Re'e. God tells us, I'm putting in front of you a blessing and I'm putting in front of you curses. See them, see me in your life. When there's something to celebrate in your life, see that it's me, understand that it's me. And when something is hard, see that it's also me. And since it's me, it's inherently good. We have to choose to see God in our life. Every morning when we wake up, we say the blessing, Pokeach Ivrim. Blessed are you, God, who opens the eyes of the blind. Yes, we're also talking about physical sight, but we're speaking here also about spiritual sight. Please, God, don't let me walk around in this world alone. Let me see you. God doesn't make himself flashing in your face because he doesn't want to be that friend that tags along and invites himself. He wants you to say, Hashem, I want you. Come with me. But that requires us to open our eyes. I was actually thinking last night when I was packing, I couldn't find my extra pair of contacts. I need to go get a new prescription I'm going this week, but I didn't have extra contacts. And I was so frustrated looking through, we just moved to Arizona. So I was looking through all my boxes and I couldn't find my extra pack. And I said to my husband, this is so annoying that I need glasses to see, that I need contacts to see. And I thought to myself, okay, it's annoying to go to the doctor to find them, to put them in, but what's the alternative that I don't see? right? Sometimes it's hard. To, you might hear these Chabad people all the time saying, oh, Hashkacha Pratis, look at God in your life, Hashkacha Pratis. And people are, oh, can it just be that it happened? Does everything have to be divine providence? Can I just have missed the light because I missed the light? Why do we always have to find a way to see God in this? Because what's the alternative? We're walking around spiritually blind. Every single one of us had to exercise that muscle. And that might look like going to an eye doctor, right? Going to a rabbi, going to a mashpia, spiritual guide, finding a way to strengthen our sight. The word faith comes from the word, is, is amuna, which comes from the word emun, which means the, I, the, the person who is a craftsman of their skill. You don't just wake up and have faith. You know, I didn't wake up believing in God. If you're going to be a, a, a master of your skill, you're going to have to go and put in the effort. All of your careers you have to college degrees and much experience, much trial and error to get to where you are. If you want to be able to see God in our life, we have to start practicing. At my table every night at dinner, I ask my kids, what did you see by Hashkacha Pratis today? Because otherwise, we could walk about our life blind. Our life happens, it's so busy with so much, we have to stop at night and I encourage you all, and when you're in your bed at night, to stop and say, where was God trying to talk to me that I wasn't able to truly see? Where was God right by me? And the more you train this muscle, the more you'll be able to see it. So my daughters, every night we do this. The other day, we went to Target, and I went to go buy some things and my husband took the girls. And my husband is a very kind man and let them go to the shoe store and at the, the shoe department. And at the shoe department, he let them pick what they wanted. And they came with those like, you know those like toe shoes? 
If you wear them, I'm sorry. But he let them pick, he let them pick out those toe shoes. And I was like, oh, they come up to me. Mommy, look, look, look at Tati says we can buy. I said, oh, wow. Thank you, Tati. Um, you know what, though, guys? On Amazon, there's so many more selections. Let's, let's put those back, and then you could look on Amazon, and whatever you want besides that, mommy will buy for you. <laughs> mommy will buy for you. And they could have been brats about it, and they could have been like, no, we want these. But they said, okay, and they put them back. Can we, can we look on Amazon as soon as we get home? Yes, we can. We walk out the door. And while we were in the store, it had been raining. We didn't realize. We walk out the door, and my daughter says, Mommy, hashkacha practice. She says, it was raining, and there was a puddle. If I had bought these brand new shoes, I would have stepped in a puddle, and they would have been ruined. Thank you, Hashem, that my shoes will stay clean. She's five. We've been practicing with this with her, and we should, please God, continue to have success of helping her and our children and ourselves see every day in the smallest details, like not stepping in a puddle, or if we do step in a puddle, being able to say, okay, maybe it was Hashem was telling me it was time for new shoes. We have to exercise this muscle of seeing Hashem in every area of our life, and I give you all the blessing that you should be able to open your eyes and see whether you have a very revealed miracle story or not that Hashem is talking to you. I may have a bigger one because Hashem, need, I needed it. Hashem knew I was not coming here on this stage without it. So Hashem had to grab me and pull me out. But if you have smaller ones, don't miss them because it's the small details where your partner shows their love for you as well. When your husband leaves the last bit of milk in the fridge so you could fill your coffee, that's a small detail. But if you didn't notice and text him, thank you for leaving the milk, he would feel like you didn't see him. Sometimes the closest relationships are made in the smallest things. Not just anniversaries and birthdays, but in getting your oil changed for you without telling you. Sometimes the Shem is big when you need it and small when you need it too. Giving you all a bracha, you should pokeach ibrim, open your eyes and start looking for God in your life. And when you do, you create that vessel. You open that sea, you split the space to be able to have God pour his openness and strengthen that muscle for you. L'chaim everyone, thank you for coming and I hope you can see the ultimate hashkacha practice of God in your life with Mashiach now. That's what we want Mashiach, because when Mashiach comes, we're going to see it. We're not going to have to look every day. It's going to be obvious. Please visit myjli.com to learn more about JLI's multiple educational offerings.